Before we begin this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef, I just very quickly wanted to say thank you to everyone for listening every week. If you can take the time to review us on any platform that you listen to us on, we would greatly appreciate it. Or just tell one of your friends. If you want to write to us for any reason at all, you can do that by writing to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. This week on Let's Talk About Chef, we are again premiering a new segment of our show. I've received a lot of emails from listeners asking me to review restaurants. I don't really know why, but here for you now is my attempt at what I think a restaurant review should be. I would also like to say that I am in no way at all affiliated with either of these establishments in any way. I do not know anyone who works in them or who owns them. This week on Let's Review, we are first reviewing Alouette in Toronto and also the anonymous hot dog vendor in front of the Rogers Centre. I am jaded when it comes to eating in restaurants. Not unlike the concept of a film student being unable to watch and enjoy movies after learning so much about them, being a chef and working in restaurants for so long means that I am pretty much incapable of enjoying myself in one. I pick everything apart. The lighting, the music, the height of a bar stool, the kitchen equipment if I can see it, how much dust is on the windowsill, and also for some reason I always punish myself by ordering old fashions wherever I go. I basically judge a bartender on whether or not they can make an old-fashioned. Usually, they can't. I don't mean to be a prick, and I usually never tell anyone about these things, but if all you know is restaurants, then it's impossible to not be slightly on edge when you enter one. Alouette is a small, 34-seat, beautiful diner on the ground floor of Spadina in Queen West. The honest, best way to describe it is like you're in a dining car on the fanciest train you have ever been on. I sat on a bar stool that faces the back bar and looked around. It's small, but not cramped. The bar top is leather, and my friend who was with me pointed out that he didn't actually like the leather bar because you could see old rings from glasses that maybe sat too long, but I loved it. It meant people had been here before. I am a complete sucker for anything that shows age. My house where I am literally recording this right now was built in 1872. Alouette is only two years old, but I still liked it. The restaurant is covered in penny tiles. The small round discs were virtually everywhere. It made the space seem bigger. I looked behind me at the banquettes that flow down the windows that face the corner of Spadina and Queen, and I was kind of taken aback by the modern world that was going on by the window. I felt like I was in an episode of Mad Men. The outside world didn't fit with how I was feeling, which was suddenly very completely happy. The bartender came and gave water and handed us the menu. She smiled knowingly at the look on my face. I'm sure she sees a lot of people that look like I did at that moment. Her job must be fun. And I am slightly jealous that she gets to be in such a beautiful room every day. I have never before been more taken aback with the design of a restaurant. 
I ordered a drink from the menu that involved Jelly Kings, a sour beer that's made in the Bellwoods area of Toronto, and she turned her back to me to make it. At first, I was kind of taken aback by this. Normally, bartenders face you when they make drinks. It's being part of the show. But the bar at Alouette is very small, and so there's no room to make drinks in front of customers, and even though I'm sure that's the reason her back was turned to me, it made the reveal of the cocktail so much more enjoyable. Every time a server or bartender delivers something to you at Alouette, they put their other arm that's not holding the plate or glass behind their back. I am sure that this is because of training and because of an age-old maneuver or service that dates back to a time when waiters wore tuxedos and spoke French. And to some that might seem silly, but to me it mattered so much. They don't look at you when they put a drink down in front of you. They look at the drink. They don't move fast or slow. They move so that when the drink is set down, your eyes are on it. I was hooked. As I drank the cocktail, I realized that you could kind of see the cooks in the kitchen between the small spaces of the bottles on the bar. And it was at that moment that I knew something was strange at Alouette. All of the cooks were smiling while they worked. Smiling. Cooks don't smile when they are busy. They didn't know that I could see them. They never looked up from what they were doing, but in those few inches between the bottles, I could see them, and they were happy. We ordered the octopus that comes with chorizo and sushito peppers and fingerling potatoes, and we also ordered the fried chicken. I asked the bartender if she thought it was enough food, and she again smiled and said that not only is it enough, but in her opinion, they were the two best things on the menu. I don't even care if she was lying to me. I felt relieved knowing that we had made a good decision. I'm not gonna lie to you, I was nervous about the food. I was scared it would be bad, that this perfect restaurant and absolutely perfect service would be ruined by food. But I didn't need to worry. The octopus dish is so good that my friend who I was with who has not eaten seafood in years and kind of turns this green color whenever I mention that he should try an oyster or fish was so confused by the sigh of contentment and joy that came out of my mouth when I was eating it that he to my absolute astonishment reached over and took a small tentacle and ate it. He made the same sound that I did, pure joy. We fought over the rest of the octopus on the plate. By the time I moved on to the fried chicken, a dish that I can completely say with every ounce of confidence that I have is by far the best fried chicken I have ever eaten in my entire life. I had drunk the last drop of my cocktail, and she was back by the time my glass hit the leather bar top. You look familiar to me, she said. Where do I know you from? I have no idea, I responded, and then realized that while I was responding, she had somehow removed the empty glass and placed the drink menu in front of me again. I also did not realize this fact until a minute later when I had already ordered my next drink and then thought to myself, when did I get the menu? Sitting in Alouette did many things to me in a very short amount of time I was there. Not only did I eat two of the best things I've eaten in a very long time, not only was the service so humble and perfect that I forgot I was even in a restaurant at all, it made me enjoy myself. I was the film student who could watch movies again. I was the musician who could listen to their songs without hearing mistakes. I was a chef in a restaurant that completely forgot I was a chef in a restaurant. In this business, we strive for perfection. We strive for the never achievable goal of being perfect. I am sure people have had a bad time at Alouette. I am sure people have not enjoyed the food there. I am sure that at some point someone has stormed out, 
or send a dish back to that gleaming, happy kitchen crew who looked at it and wondered what they did wrong. The real truth about Alouette is that if you find something wrong with it, it's because of you, not them. If you find a flaw or don't enjoy yourself, it's not because of them. They have thought of everything. They have made a restaurant so extremely perfect that I struggle with the concept that I also work in a place called a restaurant. It's like comparing a Formula One race car to my own 2005 beat-up Mini Cooper. Sure, they're both cars, but one isn't really the same as the other. One is vastly superior to the other. One would do laps around the other one. On the drive home today from Toronto, back to my life and work, we talked about Alouette for the entire time. Two chefs in a car talking about one restaurant we were in for an hour. The car ride is two hours long. In the end, I can say this. In the movie As Good As It Gets, Jack Nicholson tells Helen Hunt, you make me want to be a better man. I would like to say to Alouette, you make me want to be a better chef. I'm giving Alouette in Toronto five stars. This episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by Audible. Audible is the world's largest audiobook app. They literally have everything. Seeing as it was Anthony Bourdain Day on June 25th, I listened to his book Kitchen Confidential last week. And then after I was done that, I finished listening to Gabrielle Hamilton's amazing biography, Blood, Bones, and Butter, for an upcoming episode of this show about her. You can try Audible right now for free by going to audible.com and signing up for a 30-day trial. When you sign up, you get a free audiobook of your choice, and there isn't very much you can get for free these days. That's audible.com. And now, back to the show. The few times that I am in downtown Toronto at 2 o'clock in the morning, there is usually only one thing on my mind. Hot dogs. After drinking at way too many bars and also attending my first ever Toronto FC soccer game, it was actually my first soccer game ever, I can confidently say that even though I do not understand the game of soccer, I am in awe of the sheer amount of alcohol people will drink while watching it. And so maybe because of that, I am a fan. I don't know. Toronto did win, and I did get to yell a lot of things at very rich grown men playing a child's game in front of 20,000 people. Hot dog vendors in Toronto are kind of a strange rite of passage for Canadians. I ate my first street hot dog with my dad when he took me to a Blue Jays baseball game when I was young. I was obsessed with baseball, and he surprised me by saying we had to go to Toronto to his office, but he was actually pulling me out of school, had taken the day off of work, and took me, just me, to seats behind the first base so I could see my favorite player, John Allerud, play this game that my child's mind loved. It was that day after the game when I was tired and happy and clutching a ball that had been tossed into the crowd that he took me to a hot dog vendor outside of the stadium and we ate hot dogs and watched the crowds of people going by. I don't remember who the Blue Jays were playing, and I don't remember if they won or lost, but I remember that hot dog. Every time I find myself in the city, I eventually find myself at one of these carts eating hot dogs, thinking about my father. There are only... 233 licensed hot dog vendors in Toronto, which seems like a very small number when you think that you see them virtually everywhere downtown. 
These men and women live and work on the street and also under some very strange rules. They are allowed to operate on the street as long as they are at least 25 meters away from an operating restaurant and they have to be 30 meters away from a place of worship. It costs $392.73 for the initial license fee plus another $294.74 for an application fee to sell hot dogs. Then, you have to pay $2,551.73 a year to operate on a not well-traveled road, and $4,691 a year to be allowed to operate on a major thoroughfare of public traffic, like the bridge that connects the Rogers Centre to the rest of Toronto. A hot dog cart has to take up less than 2.32 square meters, and also leave 2.5 meters of passable sidewalk space once it is set up and operating. Last night at 2 in the morning, I was not thinking about how much it costs to run a hot dog cart. I was thinking that I needed to eat a hot dog so that the last old-fashioned I had ordered would stop making me feel like I was maybe going to regret it in the morning. I and my friend walked away from the hotel where we had been dropped off by an Uber. We were staying for the first time at the Marriott that is attached to the Rogers Centre. Our room's window looked into the gigantic stadium, which was a very strange experience when we had dropped our bags off earlier. People were watering the baseball diamond and using large drills somewhere, and there was no baseball yesterday. As we walked around the nearly empty baseball stadium at night, we saw off in the distance the flashing neon open sign we were trying to find, and we walked up to the cart. The first thing I noticed was that the man inside the cart was reading Tolstoy. At first, it wasn't the fact that he was reading War and Peace that took me aback. It was the sad fact that I couldn't remember the last time I had seen someone reading a book at all. I had seen hundreds of thousands of people, and here was the first one I saw all day reading a book. He looked up at me, got up to his feet from the small chair he was sitting on. He looked tired. His face seemed to sag. Seeing as last night in Toronto there was not only the before-mentioned Toronto FC soccer game, there were also concerts by Ariana Grande and Lionel Richie. He had had a very long and I'm assuming very busy night. The fact that both Lionel Richie and Ariana Grande were playing in such close proximity of the soccer game had caused during the soccer game an argument with a complete stranger about which concert we would attend. I said Lionel Richie and the overweight 60-year-old drunk sports fan holding two cans of Budweiser looked at me and said without a shred of hesitation that he would go see Ariana Grande, because she's been through so much this past year and deserves our support. I quickly changed my answer to Ariana Grande, and he hugged me. The hot dog vendor put down his well-read copy of War and Peace, and I asked for two hot dogs. He opened that strange well and steam came shooting out as he reached in and grabbed two already cooked hot dogs that had probably been there for quite some time, but I didn't care. After a few seconds on the grill, the buns were toasted and he asked for $5. I gave him 10 and told him to keep the change. He smiled and sat down and went back to reading Tolstoy. We stood there holding our hot dogs and the quiet of the night was interrupted by two massive delivery trucks one going to Starbucks and the other one going to a chain restaurant right near the Rogers Center. As we stood and ate the hot dogs, we watched the drivers unloading. We talked about how crazy their lives must be. We talked about Toronto. We talked about Alouette. But also how the drivers are kind of lucky to get to exist in a city at night with no other people around. At that moment, ketchup fell off my hot dog and landed on my shoe. That was our cue to leave. As we walked away from the hot dog cart back up to the Rogers Center, I looked back at the vendor and he was shutting down for the night. I felt good about that. 
That night, I woke up at four in the morning with the most insane desire for water I have ever had. My mouth was so dry, it felt like my whole body was dehydrated. The hot dog had sucked every last ounce of moisture I had. I stumbled to the bathroom in the dark, grabbed a glass, and walked back to bed. I glanced out of the window which was open and looked out into the eerily empty baseball stadium. There were no other lights on. There was no other sound. It was dead quiet. I sat down in the armchair and drank water and stared out into the dark and empty place. I looked over at the section where I had come when I was 16 to see Radiohead and had sung every word as loud as I could. I looked over to the standing room only area where I had come to watch the baseball game with my friends a few days before my wedding. And then I looked at first base. And the seats were so many years ago I had been tricked by my father and brought to this place so we could watch baseball together and we could eat hot dogs. I sat in the dark and stared at the memories that I had from my life in that stadium and thought that if I had not eaten a hot dog only two hours before, I would not have had a chance to sit here alone in a place that not very many people ever have the chance to be alone in. I'm giving the anonymous Tolstoy reading hot dog vendor in front of the Rogers Center five stars. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Let's Talk About Chef. It was written by me and produced by Timothy McDonald. If you want to write to us for any reason at all, you can reach us at letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. Again, we do take the time to read everything that you send to us and we'd really appreciate it if you told someone about the show. I would like to thank Audible for letting us talk about them this week. We are back next week with a new episode of Let's Talk About Chef and until then, have a great service and have a great week. Oh, yeah.